2: Toss to Sproles, got a block from Lane Johnson, Sproles inside the ten. Derek Sproles, opening drive, Philadelphia touchdowns, Manning, compressed pocket, throws the interception, Malcolm Jenkins taking it all the way for an eagle touchdown, Wentz shot, end zone, touchdown Angle, just like that, 13 seconds left. Manning just putting it up for grabs towards Will tie, and it's intercepted. Cutting underneath and taking it away, Terrence Brooks.
3: All righty, Thursday night football is a wrap. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the New York Giants 24-19. Mark Sessler here for the first time all season. I've dodged this assignment, but tonight I'm here with Chris Wessling, who covered the game for NFL.com. Right away, the win for the Eagles and the loss for the Giants gives the Dallas Cowboys, the NFC East, and home field advantage, the number one seed throughout the playoffs. This game ended, as you just heard, with Eli Manning's Giants record 63rd attempt. That's obviously a career high for him. It ended in a pick, his third of the night. Chris Wessling, you've been up and down on Eli Manning. You've been mostly down on him this season. What did you see? Winter came. Yes, it did. The Giants can still clinch a playoff spot if the
4: Lions, Packers, Buccaneers, or Falcons lose this weekend. But the offense has been in decline for two and a half months. Since week seven, only the Browns and Rams averaged fewer yards per game entering this week. And we saw it tonight that Eli Manning had the pick six, he had another duck that quacked into an interception, and then the last pass of the game didn't get there. I don't think this offense can carry the Giants, and I was telling Greg when I watched their last game, these comparisons to the 2007-2011 team, it's a pipe dream. They don't have the offensive line the running game, or frankly, the quarterback. Eli's not that guy now. I see them, like, their ticket to getting hot is to kind of copy the 2003 Panthers, Mm. where Odell Beckham has to get scorching hot as a punt returner and wide receiver in the Steve Smith role and carry this team. And you saw that tonight.
3: Odell Beckham almost carried them to victory. They are so reliant on him. 11 catches, 150 yards. I feel like with New York, they had so many opportunities in the red zone. At one point, I think they came with three, came away with three field goals when they had a chance for touchdowns. And you're playing an Eagles offense that obviously has limitations and restrictions of their own. It seems like no matter what happens with Eli Manning, three killer picks this evening that they still find a way to get within a possession or two of taking the game at the end. I maybe that's what people see when they talk about a team getting into the playoffs and you don't know what's going to happen with the Giants. But there isn't a lot of shared DNA because the quarterback position for New York is such an issue.
4: Yeah, I I think it's it's all O'Dell Beckham right now, and their running back is on their running game is on pace to be their worst since nineteen forty five. The offensive line, Brandon Graham had his way with Bobby Hart at right tackle there are issues there. Their defense is better than we thought it was going to be. Landon Collins had another great game tonight. Uh, Damon Harrison, hopefully his knee injury is not bad. He left in the second half. He came back and stood on the sideline with his helmet, so hopefully that's not bad. But I, you're right.
3: There's no shared DNA between this team and those. I, I just don't see it. I, I can't help but wonder when I watch the Eagles, now that they have Lane Johnson back, where this team might be if he had been there all along, and they had a good anecdote about him during the game that he when he came back to that locker room, that he acknowledged and that the looks on the faces of his teammates, that he'd let them down. That this was a, I don't want to call him a Jenga piece, as Damashek would say, but it might be because it, it was, it, it, when you see Carson Wentz getting better protection, uh, things start to open up with that offense a little bit. They're so limited with their own wide receivers that, and, and he, and, uh, you know, his own mechanics are an issue as well. That that They have a lot to do in the offseason, but I do think there's, I am hopeful of Carson Wentz. As a Browns fan, I found myself being highly jealous of moments of the game tonight.
4: Their slide for the season coincided with Lane Johnson's suspension in mid-October the start of that suspension, and it led to offensive line issues and ultimately contributed to Carson Wentz's regression on his mechanics. And the last two weeks, we've seen that regression. On a nullified interception to Eric Weddle last week, he dropped his arm way below his waist to wind up. It slows his release, allows the defensive back to gain on the wide receiver, and frankly, it takes a lot of zip off of his passes. We saw that tonight on Dominique Rodgers' interception and another pass where he threw late and wound up with the ball dropping below his waist, it just allows defensive players to break that fraction of a second earlier. And this has been a problem with him since midseason and really has to be an area they have to concentrate on in the offseason. Fortunately, he is known as one of the most studious quarterbacks and has the work ethic to kind of fix this in a way that maybe Blake Bortles hasn't.
3: Yeah, and it's almost as if, forget the record, that there is optimism in Philadelphia, that there is reason to believe with his You know he's so focused, and they talk about him being the first guy in the building, and that is a cliche sometimes with quarterbacks. But but really it takes that at that position. But he does not have the Odell Beckham uh, in his camp. I think at halftime, wide receivers in Philadelphia had two catches. You're throwing to three tight end sets half the game. Darren Sproles remains a fascination. I mean, he alone seems like he could beat. He could he could have turned this game on its ass early on. They have a
4: nucleus in place on defense, a very promising nucleus. On offense, once again, the receivers were anemic. Malcolm Jenkins, their safety, had as many catches of Eli Manning's passes as the leading receiver, the leading wide receiver did for the Eagles, too. That's been a problem all year. They need help at wide receiver. Ryan Matthews has been too injury-prone, and I know the coaches aren't very thrilled with his availability this year. That's an issue. They really need to upgrade – the skill position talent around Carson Wentz in the offseason. But I agree, it's been, as much as fans might think they've been a disappointment the last two months, the nucleus is in place here, and they've got building blocks to be a contender next year if they draft and do free agency well.
3: Yeah, and they can't. They were a failed two-point conversion last week from beating the Ravens, which would have been a signature win. I, I, I do. I think there's hope there. And, and, and you know, people talk about, Doug Peterson, I think he's been up and down. He has some play calling that uh, I would think would baffle the mind at times. Yeah, he has. And I think he
4: started out really strong in September where you thought this team is in good hands with this coaching staff. And his sort of vacillation between aggressiveness and conservatism uh, for play calling and decision-making and game management. It's
3: been a little confusing over the last couple of months. All right, we got to get out of here. I want to pull the curtain back for one second. Chris Wessling downstairs. As this game was heading towards the end, he had written most of his column. He was just praying for Eli Manning to throw an interception. That's how it ended. The Giants lose. Let's send it to Dan and also to us and the old boss, Greg Rosenthal. Here we go with the Week 16 preview. The Around the NFL Podcast rejects your silly lanyard rules.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. All right. Thursday preview pod. Woo! And you just heard Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling wrap up the Thursday night football matchup. Uh, between the Giants and Eagles, the first of 16 games to be played in Week 16. What do you think about that, Mark?
3: Well, I'm not, you know, we, we taped this before. Chris and I did that that review of that game, so I have no idea how that went. I'm concerned.
2: <laughs> oh, well, you don't know. What if something ho- like the game might not end, kind of like your Super Bowl 51 prediction?
3: There's no true guarantee that I'll be here for that. I mean, why? I'm I'm meant to leave for a space of time. What if I were to be taken out by a sniper's, you know, weapon or a car goes off the road or, you know, there's we, a, a we mob do. takes out my entire home front? I mean, you just don't know. We do work near a,
5: a gun store right. uh, of which there's been a line outside the gun store multiple times before it opens lately <laughs> on my way to work. Who's – I'm just mystified by Connect this. Connect the dots there. Christmas 2016 season. in America.
2: Greg also um, – actually, we're, ge- we're hearing this a lot resembles a uh, infamous assassin. So, <laughs>
4: <Stop>. <laughs> Which
2: one? I, you know, we don't need to get into specifics, but if you just take a l- close look at Greg Rosenthal, if you Google image his face, it might connect with some current events.
5: Yeah, some people thought I was the assassin that, that took out the, uh, what was it, the Russian ambassador to Turkey? Or? Yeah.
2: You, what, I, wasn't How did you not
3: find that you look like made. that nah, person at all? A terrible
2: tragedy and not making light of that on any level, but... And I did include the image in our rundown uh, for today's show. Basically, it's Greg.
4: (laughs) Same hairstyle. That's for sure.
2: Same eye structure. The
5: classics never go away. The
2: nose is a little (laughs) more broad. But anyway, Greg Greg promises he's not that guy. NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal,
3: I should say.
1: It's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal.
3: (laughs) Settle down, ladies.
2: There's only one Greg to go around. Unless there's two.
3: I mean, in theory, he's married, so there's not any Greg to go around. Mm. That's true. But I don't think he plays by any rules, as far as we know. (laughs) Not at this point.
2: You sure you want to to take back that thanks now?
5: Now I do. I take it back.
3: (laughs) All right.
2: So a lot of stuff to get to. This show, of course, brought to you by exclusively uh, Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, The Netherlands.
0: Mr. F.
2: Um, So... um, Thank you for that, Mr. Flame. Let's get into the games. Let's start with, uh, listen, there's, uh, week 16 is weird. There's games on four different days this week.
3: Just the way the NFL would like it every week, I would imagine.
2: It seems excessive.
5: There's, there's Thursday night football, or the brand of Thursday night football, on three different days. That seems confusing. <laughs> I would agree. Hey, you know,
3: <laughs> NFL right. branding, on, come back to us.
5: It's on Saturday and Sunday, I think. I mean... <laughs> That let's, doesn't make any. Whose idea was this? Let's just <laughs> let's just call for like what it is.
2: Just call it, you know, Saturday Night Football. I don't know. Maybe it's just or, two days. Maybe it's know, Sunday. I don't know. If it's Sunday football, you're Greg,
4: backtracking.
2: If it's no, you're right. You're. I knew this for. I knew this. I read about this yesterday. If it's Sunday football, but it's with the Thursday crew. Just call Sunday football uh, you're with so, the Thursday crew.
3: You couldn't be more right. It is. It We get that everything must be hyper-branded to the point where we're Careful, being Mark. utterly beaten over the head with it. But Careful, to call three different primetime events Thursday night football – is ludicrous. <laughs> right. Look. Last
5: week, it was Thursday Thursday Night Football Saturday special. All
3: I don't th- know which game to show up in preview <laughs> or review with Wes at this point. Is it tonight? Is it next two days from now? All it takes Please. is one peek at your
4: cell phone's calendar to say, hey, wait, this isn't Thursday. I'm watching this on a Saturday.
2: The end game for the NFL, by the way, is to create a new day.
5: Ooh, <laughs> I like that. That, that could is- solve
2: so many problems. And they're edging there. All right.
3: And wipe out every other major sport. This is the last podcast,
2: by the way. It's true. Everyone should enjoy. So enjoy the show, everybody. And, and whoever our successors are, best of luck to you guys. All right. Let's start uh, with this Saturday schedule. Uh, the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo. Let's start. Let's check out the AFC East. Let's start there. Uh, and the first game, Miami at Buffalo. I like this one. This is a juicy one, Greg, because you got the Dolphins who are 9-5 and five and trying to uh, prove doubters like the old Zusser. Uh, wrong by punching their ticket to the postseason and doing it with Matt Moore, who already already starred last week and now gets a chance to really uh, get people in uh, southern Florida excited about this Dolphins team against the Bills, who are 7-7, seven and seven, desperate, need the win, and are fighting for their coach. I'm
5: with you. Maybe it's the AFC East uh, jeans in the yeah. two of us. This is intriguing to me because can't you guys – I know it's it's a little crazy here, but can't you guys imagine a scenario – where Rex Ryan and this Bills team, at the very least, pushes it into Week 17. They have a 3.8% chance to make the playoffs, according to Football Outsiders. Can't you just see that? Post game press conference in Week 17, where the Bills have a million things go right for them. They go nine and seven, and Rex is just up there crowing about everyone that doubted them in the front. He makes a. You're saying ins- they make the playoffs. I mean, I don't. I love it. I don't necessarily oh, think don't it's gonna happen, playoffs. but I could I could see it happening. I can at least see them coming together and winning a game like this against uh, Miami. I'm
3: team. with you on the sense that the best version of Rex Ryan is the up against the wall situation that he's in right now where this year his players seem to still be playing hard for them. They're at home. They're one of the best teams at home. Only two te- only two teams in the league score more points in their home stadium than the Bills do. I, I think the Bills are absolutely frisky. In fact, Greg, if if you don't mind if we could
2: jump into your tabulator yes. uh, mind uh Computations. Fabulous. All right. Computations.
5: What do the Bills need to make it, the It's playoffs? a lot. It's a lot. They need to win their final two games. Greg loves this. Of course. <laughs> you know, they're at, at home against the Dolphins and then the Jets. Yep. That's doable, Minable. right? All right. Here's what else they need. They need the Dolphins to lose to the Patriots in Week 17. Easily can happen. Sounds pretty logical. They need the – this is probably the toughest one. They need the Ravens to lose their final two games to the Steelers and Bengals. It's That's not, not- – that's not crazy, right? Not crazy. It's reasonable, but yeah. that one's a little a little trickier. They're it, a tough pass. Also,
4: here's their hardest
5: permutation: the Dolphins have
4: to win their final two games. I mean, the Bills have to win their final. Right, game. right. That's the hardest. That's shot.
5: that's probably the hardest one. We got we got one more, or two more. Wow, look at you, Broncos! This is the They're toughest one. I'm excited about this one. The Broncos have to lose to the Raiders this week. It's pretty doable, right? Wait, yeah, yeah. The Broncos <laughs> aren't Bron- playing the Raiders. I mean, uh, in the week 17, right? Okay. Sorry, okay. They, they need the Broncos to lose the Raiders week 17. Computer breaking down. <laughs> and then they they need either the Titans or the Texans to lose this week. This needs one of those. So two. they need four separate like things six to things, and they it, have
2: to win their last two. But
3: each one of those things is pretty. I recent. have vivid memories They're of done. being a child <laughs> and with like color markers when the '80s Browns would be chasing a playoff scenario with three to four weeks to go. That there were all these things. And I would look at it constantly during the day. I'd pull it out of my pocket at school and be like, "All right, this needs to happen." And you, invariably, you're going to get about seventy percent of those things, but you're not going to get one hundred percent. For what it's
4: worth, football outsiders' playoff odds have the Bills at three point eight percent.
5: I said that a little earlier. You did. This is going to be the new um, Eagles had 30, the, Bengals had thirty-eight yards on defense. This <laughs> happened last week. The I, uh,
2: the. The, the, listen, the the odds are not in Buffalo's favor, but it's not a like for instance, the Panthers only can make the playoffs if they win out, get help, and Washington yeah, it's, has it's a crazy. second tie this season. So it's a little more feasible.
3: I know that you have a at this point you're you and Handsome Hank are distance from each other. I don't want to get into that or we open that wound. We got lunch that together wound. yesterday. All right, okay. so it's you're you're on the path back. Yeah. he came up to me after I guess he was traveling. And just said hello, uh, which was nice because I had destroyed him on the pot a few times while he was gone and was hello. uncalled for. Was like uh, but he was genuinely happy. Like he, if you're a Dolphins fan, it's been a rough, long road, and he had a childlike smile on his face. And I, and I, kind of can't help but root to see. Handsome Hank, have a playoff team. Matt Moore For was, the first time since I've known him. Matt Moore looked frisky. He can make some of those kind of crazy
5: Tony Romo-ish. Can we all calm down with Matt Moore? Like Thank you, Wes. Frisky.
2: Thank you.
4: You Please. were the
5: one
2: that loved him. Oh, no, I, I was
4: trying to figure out what, while I'm re-watching this game if it was the cheapest AFC player of the week I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Against the Jets, he threw 18 total passes, and now I hear Ron Jaworski today say, other than Tony Romo, he might be the best backup in the NFL. Oh, come on. Back, Let's please. all calm down on Matt Moore before he throws we got,
3: 19 passes. We got
2: Kenny season. Stills like roaming through his secondary like a golden retriever in a field at a farm. I, you know, don't count the Jets whenever you're trying to figure things we,
3: out. We also look at backup quarterbacks when they do come in and do something good. It's like, whoa. It's yeah. like, By the way, that you're being paid probably about a million a year to do that. He, he, he was a fine the,
5: performance. It was fine. He knew kind of where the blitz was coming from. Dolphins getting some good secondary play. They are playing well. This is a tough spot for them.
2: All right, let's move on. The New York Jets, who we just spoke about, are traveling to New England, and the people in the desert aren't feeling very good about the Jets, and neither should anyone, even the most diehard of all Jets fans. Uh, My dad, nobody feeling good about this game because the New England Patriots, this is not the Patriots team uh, that finished slowly last year um, at the end of the regular season. The Pats look very good right now, and the Jets are starting, yes, this is peak. We are in peak Throne of Ease uh, territory right now, where it just seems like everything is falling into place. The AFC's a train wreck. The Pats are studly, oh, as usual. They've a found a way to completely um, minimize the damage of losing Gronk. Everything's perfect. And now they get the Jets, a broken Jets team with Bryce Petty, who almost got broken in half last week, playing uh, behind an offensive line that has. Just lost Brian Winters, who is their most steady lineman this year. Uh, A bunch of backups and scrubs. It could be another bloodbath.
4: Yes, I can't find a reason for the Jets uh, to even stay competitive in this game, and that's without even considering that Sheldon Richardson apparently has no qualms about alienating his teammates (laughs) and fans and appears to be checked out on the
2: season. You know what my – I really hope this isn't true true because it would speak to him having terrible character. I'm starting to think he's trying to submarine his own value just to stick it to the because he knows no. he's getting traded. I don't
3: think that's he's I don't, too much hey, I don't think I, he's able listen. to strategize that far ahead. I mean
2: he's I'm yeah, well that that's saying that he doesn't have anything going on upstairs. I'm saying he might be a little devious. I the way he's acting. Who he got led off the hook by Todd Bowles after and if, if people weren't aware, uh, a inst or a Snapchat video got posted Accidentally, we're told right before the Jets Dolphins game where he used some derogatory language, and and some people thought he said you know f this game. Then he denied that that's what he actually said. But then he, he got off the hook. Bowles didn't suspend him, and then he comes back and tells an NJ.com reporter that he doesn't regret anything he said, and people should take it or leave it. Shut up,
3: bro. well, yeah, shut it's, up. It's not just Sheldon Richardson, and I. It, it's crazy the perspective we have on Todd Bowles. And the whole front office, one year after a year ago, where I thought, wow, this team seems heading in the right direction. Sheldon Richardson to me seems symptomatic of a team that this defense has given up four touchdowns in two of the last three games. Their quarterbacks statistically are the worst quarterbacks in the league this season. I don't see a team that's fighting hard for their coach. And I I, I mean, Sheldon Richardson I don't is absolutely with that at all.
4: This you don't team agree? Stinks. He said he doesn't see a, a team that's fighting for its. They, coach.
5: Even if they fight, he just says they're bad. I, oh, even I, if they fight, they. I, this, I see a team that's this coach, that is, that's the effort is not. They, well, they fought against the Patriots. Uh, they fought against the Patriots. Should've I thought they that, fought. Had a good chance to beat them. They, they fought made against the Dolphins. They made Matt more player of the week. It was. That was bad. But that doesn't mean they're not
2: playing hard. That was 35 minutes into that game. That was a very close game. Hmm. This is the worst, uh, one of the worst rosters in the league. And Todd Bowles got, got stuck with a bum check, in my opinion. I think that I, I, I'm i keeping my eye out for this to make sure they don't totally quit. But the more I look at it, the more I think he got screwed this
3: year. Well, they're running out of time to totally quit.
5: I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I don't think it matters this week. I think the Patriots are going to be motivated.
3: Don't you? Yes, they have a lot to play for still. They can lose the number 1 seed if they sit down over the last two games. And they, they and they know they did it last year. It's a rare chance to just make
5: clean amends for a big mistake. The exact same schedule in week 16 and 17 this year. Jets Dolphins the the two games they blew. Patriots are ago. also
4: while the Jets are getting worse throughout the season, the Patriots are getting better. They lose Gronk and they have their best offensive game of the year against the Ravens, and they have their best defensive game of the year against the Broncos.
3: Do you, Dion Lewis had a he had an uptick in usage last week? I wonder if they're going to give him a showcase game over the next two to get him ready for January. I think giving him. 95 yards and 20 touches against the Broncos is a okay?
5: case. There you go. To me, it's their perfect backfield because they can change it each week now. And now they're they're basically splitting the reps evenly between Lewis, White, and LeGarrette. And they can so, mix that up depending on who they play. Such the inverse of what it was last year at this time. Um yeah, so the the Pats are in very good shape. And and Tom Brady kind of needs a big game for the, M- the MVP race. People really really depend on these last weeks I think to decide.
2: Last week did not have a, a touchdown. Uh so yes, I agree with that. Let's move on and uh talk about the Tennessee Titans uh who are coming off a huge huge win. Uh, over the Chiefs, Ryan Suckup, of course, drilling the fifty-three-yard field goal at the gun to move Tennessee to eight and six and uh, give them a real shot to advance to the playoffs. And now the scheduling gods give them the Jaguars at two and twelve. Uh, Mark Sessler, and also uh, with a new interim coach and a quarterback who has never looked uh, less safe.
3: Yeah, I think this uh, there is a very interesting dynamic here. I went back and watched Doug Marone's presser that came after all the nonsense with David Caldwell talking about Blake Bortles. And I, Doug Marone, we know this about when he was in Buffalo. He is very uh, – he, he, he has his own opinions, and he's going to let you know, and it might not fit with the people around him. He talks specifically about he's going to come in and do certain things differently than Gus Bradley. And it wasn't just coach speak or something. It was sounded like discord with the way things have been done. This is a guy that thought he would have been a head coach right after – You know, ditching Buffalo. I want to see what that is. I think we've got two weeks to to see if there's anything different about this team with Doug Marone at the helm. But Tennessee, man, you look at some of these teams late in the season where they have this team X is heading towards the playoffs, but they haven't. Their record against winning teams is one in five or one in three. The Titans five and two against winning teams. I love the way they're built, and this is not a trap game on any level in my book. I think Tennessee last week's game. That's where the collapse maybe could have started if you're going to lose that and then have to kind of vie your way back in. You have this game, you're eight and six. You got to take care of business in Jacksonville. That shouldn't be a tough operation for anyone heading towards January. Then you have the Texans at home next week. This is your AFC South winner in my book.
2: I think the Jags are trap-proof. I think they're one of those teams. It's a short list sure. the league that they're on. That even if you do bring your B or C game, you'll probably still find a way to win
5: the game. I mean, but, a team
3: winning three games a year is not trapped. Is not a tr- classic trap team. No, and
5: they're in these games. I mean, they they were way up on Houston. They've been competitive. When I'm think when I'm hearing that about Marone, I'm thinking maybe he's going to run the ball more. I mean, he is an offensive coach, and, and Gus Bradley. Is not so much, and yet I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried. The Titans' defense is playing better lately. The Titans' defense can win some games for them on their own. I mean, they they kind of they held on, held the Broncos scoreless late in that game. They held uh, the Chiefs scoreless in the second half. It, the defense has been
3: playing. They better get for some Tennessee. good pressure. I think that like you know, Dick LeBeau is this sort of X factor that has got them playing much better on defense than they were a year ago.
2: And don't factor in. Uh, don't forget to factor in the possibility that the Jags could just lay down now for the rest of the season. Here's from Senderek Marks, the defensive tackle of Jacksonville, who uh, spoke out about the team's decision to fire <laughs> Gus Bradley and then put him on the charter back home. Yeah, that sucked. If I had an opinion on it, I thought that was. if I thought that was the right move, I don't think that was the right way to do it. He had to ride the plane home back that way, but that ain't my call. They did it. They made the move. Uh, so the locker room probably not feeling very good about the organization. They're two and twelve. They're this close to getting to go home and wipe this out of their memory. This could be an easy win for Tennessee.
4: Blake Bortles is talking about turning the season around in the final two weeks. Okay, bro. Using the final two weeks to show something positive for that offense, which I think is pretty funny. Too late. <laughs> I think it's funny that they have never considered benching him. And if you read Albert Breer's notes column on on Friday or on Thursday. He talked about in August, Blake Bortles told the coaches himself, I can't believe my mechanics are this bad. After he spent the offseason not working on his mechanics, he told the coaches, I can't believe my mechanics are this bad.
5: This is crazy. Do it, some it's, work. It's boy. craziness, and it and it's almost the the fruition of of uh, Wes's year long love for Tennessee. We're coming down to the wire this, here.
4: This draft class they have. Derrick Henry scores two TDs. Jack Cla- Jack Conklin shuts down Justin Houston. LaShawn Sims, they plug him in at cornerback. He's an upgrade on Parish Cox. Austin Johnson was huge in their short yardage defense last week. And Kevin
3: Bayard at safety. That's five draft picks that are playing major minutes for them. If they great wind job. up in the playoffs, does the much laughed at Mike Malarkey nab a few coach of the year votes? Yes. I think you have to look at the cher- – also, by the way, year. executive of the year, maybe for John Robinson if that happens too – Huge turnaround. I think there's a bigger case for John
5: Robinson than Mike Malarck. And I, and I love that they're using Henry more. I, I don't think DeMarco Murray looks quite as good as he did early in the season. And and even if he did, it, it's nice. Henry is now in the mix really early and often in those games.
2: I'm really dreading. Well, Jacksonville is going to take a quarterback in the first couple of rounds of the draft. And then we get the 400 stories in August that Blake Bortles worked with Tom House in the offseason has straightened out everything that's wrong. And he says, I haven't felt this good in, since the 2015 season. It's coming. Well, <laughs> get we ready. Can,
3: I mean, I think it's healthy if we pick a few storylines that we simply refuse to acknowledge. That, that on would on be a, a candidate.
2: Hey, Sid, can we just put that on a list? just so we have that written down somewhere.
3: Refuse to acknowledge list. They, they smell like a Romo,
5: a Romo suitor. Interesting. Let's yeah, move but on. Romo
4: doesn't smell like a guy who has any interest in playing know, for
5: Jackson. I don't know if he's going to have a ton of good choices. Let's move on to the NFC North with the
2: Minnesota Vikings. Now hanging on, uh, for dear life, uh, at seven and seven after an awful 34, six home loss to the Colts where they just looked dead in the water. Now they travel to green Bay, eight and six, uh, Green Bay playing very well, uh, hung out, hung on to beat Chicago with that beautiful toss from Jordy uh, from Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson, uh, and Greg. Now they get a chance to move to nine and six and really turn the heat up on the Detroit Lions, who are holding on in that division.
5: I'm I'm just amazed how inept the Vikings defense was last week. I know they they're without Harrison Smith, and now they're giving up some big plays. And the last uh, team you want to play if you're giving up big plays, is Aaron Rodgers right now. Because there there were some plays last week. The Bears had the perfect call on Aaron Rodgers. They had the free blitzer coming right at him, and it didn't matter. And when Aaron Rodgers is kind of beating the perfect play calls, it's like there's nothing you can do. I, he feels you, – you mentioned the heat check last week, uh, Wes, about Rodgers during that – he feels like a guy who just – it matters how he's feeling in the flow. You know what I mean? Like he's a streaky player, and if he's feeling it, he's feeling it. And he's feeling it. I, I think that's true for all quarterbacks and most professional But you can athletes, almost see it with But him. I
4: agree that with Aaron Rodgers, how confident he's feeling and, and
3: being in the zone really matters. Well, and he's a quarterback that hasn't lost a December home game since 2008. 15-1 mm. and wow. one at home in December with 39 touchdowns and five picks. It is worth noting, though, that Harrison Smith – has, is practicing again, yeah. and he will be in this game. And they should have pride. They, they've done well in this matchup
5: lately, their defense. You know? They it, could sweep it's, the it's not like I don't the, think it's going to happen. It's not like the Packers' offense has done particularly well against Mike Zimmer's defense generally. We'd be talking even more about Rogers this
4: week if, if Devontae Adams didn't drop a pair of easy mm. touchdown passes and Jordy Nelson dropped a bomb down the sideline where he had to outleap the defender, and he outleaped the defender with ease and
5: just dropped the ball. That those three plays would have made Rodgers' numbers look totally different. By the way, I had some Packers honker coming at me on Twitter saying, "Like, oh, Rodgers doesn't have the same weapons around him as as some other MVP candidates." Are you kidding me? He's got the best. He's got the best offensive line in terms of pass protection. Hold on, he's got bad. Jared Cook and Adams and Nelson. I'm not worried about his weapons. As, he's got of, plenty of, weapons. as of December,
4: yes, his weapons are sure. fine. Check. Let's go back to October when he had... Had the best had, protection in the league then. He had Don... What was his name? Don Jackson playing running sure. back? They had to trade for Niall Davis. <laughs> the, no, he had horrible weapons for most of the year. You're a guy who believes in looking at the whole season. You're right. a guy, he Not says. just December.
5: Right. Right. His weapons were not good. But he they, had no running but game. But I'm saying... All right, let's... No running game, but you have a great offensive line all season. You have Nelson, Adams, and you Cobb You have Nelson all season. who wasn't himself. Compared to other teams, that's not that Nelson crazy. Nelson was
4: obviously wasn't himself before November, and you even heard Mike McCarthy. His comments in October were, Jordy's not right. And then by December, he was like, everyone can see he's back to who he was.
2: Greg, what's Wes's problem, right? <laughs> Jared Cook
4: injured earlier. <laughs> By the way, Jared Cook, one of the underrated key players of this a offense. Huge factor when this. he
5: was injured, this offense was in trouble, and when he's healthy, they're playing well. I'm uh, worried about a, a defense that gave up that many yards. Clay Matthews is basically not even there anymore. Demarius Randall got, cr- got crushed last week. It's probably benched. not going to hurt him this week. It's probably not going to hurt him this week. Uh,
2: this, uh, a tweet from Maddie Harmon. Uh fantasy guru downstairs. Vikings on deep passes with and without Harrison Smith. One touchdown, five picks, twenty-four point seven pass rating with Harrison Smith. Uh two touchdowns, no picks, 130 points. Well, and that's rating without. You can Yikes.
3: assign that to Andrew Luck, who destroyed them with the deep ball last week.
2: Um let's move on the San Diego Superchargers and Cleveland Browns, two teams playing out the string. Uh, the Browns, though, are notable for one reason. We all know what it is. They're w- zero and fourteen now. And uh, uh, Chris Wessling, this is uh, the Browns again. We keep saying it, but this probably is their best chance. It's against uh, a Chargers team going in the wrong direction. They
4: have no best chance. Wait, well, listen, no, like two uh, chances, hear me so out. So that's fair. next yeah. week. They're well,
2: yeah. at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's not. So your best this chance. is in a lot of ways their last best chance, any chance they avoid 0 fifty.
4: I am not going to patronize Browns fans and talk about any chance of winning. This team has gotten so much worse throughout the season. They're a laughingstock. Sorry, Mark. I know you've watched them play. They. I'm not giving them a chance to win. San Diego's a better team, and I know Phillip Rivers, everybody talks about his turnovers. His passing last week, his accuracy was so on point. His receivers were dropping balls. But I don't see Phillip Rivers going into Cleveland and playing against RG3 and losing.
3: I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I find RG3 incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, At best, I think they yank him during this game. And you play Cody Kessler for the final six, seven quarters of the year. I don't understand the Griffin uh, project-slash-experiment at this point. I couldn't agree more with Wes that we've been through the best-case scenarios to win earlier this year. They have not passed any of those tests. The Browns, if you want to give them – if I want to give Hugh Jackson one bit of credit, I will say this watching their games that I don't see – players that are just completely lifeless. I see guys that are still plugged in. They just don't have talent. I wonder, on, on defense. I watched every one of their snaps on, this season. And on they're, defense they're,
5: especially. They, they have never gotten over being the worst defense in the league. They just gave up 459 yards and 29 first downs to Tyrod Taylor and a Bills offense it has got a lot of limitations. I mean, they, they, sure. they look like the best offense in the league against
2: I, I wonder if the Browns are the one losing team in the league that you don't have to worry about them not giving full effort at this point because every guy, and someone just wrote a piece about the Detroit Lions of 2008, uh, how those guys say, we don't want the, this Browns team to feel what we had to feel and deal with. Uh, these guys don't want 0 69.
3: I think that's a huge motivator for everyone in the building. But secondly, this is a team made up of young players that, you know, they are fighting for their jobs. It's
5: a huge motivator though for the Chargers.
3: Absolutely. And it's a huge
5: motivator for the Bills. And teams have talked about that. The Ravens who gave the first win to to the Dolphins one year when they were 0 13, they said all week that's that's on their mind. We do not want to be the right. first team to do you this. Do we,
3: we are fired up. Well, and by the way, you want it Mike Mike McCoy the coach of the Chargers. You don't want you wanna make your case to keep your job. You can't go into Cleveland and lose to the Browns. Ooh, that's a good
5: that's a good point. Uh, they could get him fired. Terrell Pryor, twenty two yards on eleven targets from R G three. In He's two been games. Well, through an injury
3: too, right? Yeah, and also, but all all sorts all sorts of passing has disappeared with RG three. He runs to the sideline and He's throws slow. it forty yards down. He's slow in his decision
5: making, everything you can almost see like kind of the thought I mean, process. Marks right, like why are you running to the sideline every time you drop? Every
3: that? time, and it's the, there's no middle of the. You know, we don't, we don't need to talk about the Browns anymore. Well, how about
4: the, if you're Joey Bosa and your defensive rookie of the year case? going up against this offensive line. Melvin Ingram, too. This is a mismatch.
3: They It is strange because Cleveland, I'm looking at some some analytics this week that they are like the fourth best run offensive line in the league. Now, pass blocking, I think a lot of the issue is on their quarterbacks, but their offensive line has not been the disaster running the ball. That said, they can't run the ball. So I don't know. You know, please.
2: Um. By the way, I don't know where, where Brian Hartline's been, but he becomes the <laughs> latest guy to completely trash that? Terrell Pryor. He didn't like him last year. And, well, they went to school together at Ohio State, and another old teammate of Terrell Pryor is Alex Boone in Minnesota, who said, who said over the summer, I hated the guy, I hated playing with him. And I, I talked to somebody that knows things that says the Browns are really hemming and hawing about wanting to go further with him.
4: Hmm. I mean, okay, I get it the way that Terrell Pryor has been bashed by many people around the league, he might not be the most popular player around. He might not be that easy to get along with. Mm. Then again, as a part-time hobby, he's already better at wide receiver than Brian Hartline's ever been.
2: <laughs> That's true. Brian Hartline said at one point, I'm a, as a Cleveland Browns guy, I'm looking out for, it's like, well, bro, you spent one year with that team and then got cut. Now you're in their corner. You're settling a, a score here.
3: There were issues last year, and I, you're right. We don't, know, we don't know what's going on with Terrell Pryor, but it's, it, it, every week someone's coming out of the woodwork. But Terrell Pryor, I'll give him this. He's never shot back at anyone in the press. That's
2: why it's weird. He's, he's never said all, a negative he says word. says all the right things in the press, and then all these people come out and say he's basically a terrible person, and now who know, the Browns might not want to do business. We'll see. Let's move on. The Washington Redskins, 7-6-1. and one. Uh, They... Really killed themselves on Monday night with that home loss to the Panthers. Put themselves in a bad spot where it's going to be very difficult to advance to the postseason for the second straight year. But they get a, a nice matchup, but not, Mark, by any means a, a, a walkover matchup against the 3-11 and Browns team, uh, Bears team on the road with Matt, Matt Barkley, who's been playing very well this year.
3: Agree with you. I mean, the Bears are... Heading upward, you got to like some of the young players we talked about with Wes, with Wes's uh, rookie of the year list. I think there were three on there, including the honorable mentions uh, category, and that's a team that can point to the, a strong finish. Where after what we saw Washington do against Carolina, I, I think that this is an eight and eight team that is as unpredictable as as, as there is at this point. And it's in Chicago. I don't know what the weather is. And I wanna know, you know, if Jordan Reed doesn't play in this, he, he in his last two games he's had ten and nineteen snaps. I think he is hovering towards sort of Jenga piece for that team. If you don't have Jordan Reed at full health, the which he not He's not. not, not gonna, he's not going to be anyways. Yeah. But the but the results for Kirk Cousins. Uh, they dip. And so, you know, and it, it Washington is essentially removed from the playoffs at this point. I know they're still alive, but I'm wondering, that team well, is – They're very much alive. They're alive. If they're they, gonna, if they win be- those two games,
5: they're probably in. I mean, that, I mean. Where are they right now? They, seven, th- six, and one. They're seven, six, out. and one. But if you get to nine, six, and one, because of the other teams playing each other, they don't need that much to happen for them. They, their odds would be pretty good if they can win out. That's a big if. They got to play the Giants next week. They got to win a tough
3: road game. You need some it's other teams to tough. really crumble though, too. But uh, I, I Who don't think the Redskins look like a playoff team to me. You
2: know what they need? They need the Lions to completely bomb. Yeah, out, sure. Go nine and seven, and then finish nine. Which six, is
5: one. very feasible. It's possible. Very feasible.
2: Uh, any other thoughts on this game, gentlemen?
5: I. I I respect the way John Fox has had that team playing. They are much better than a 3-11. Has he 11. saved his job? Uh, it sounded like they were ready to fire him in midseason, so I don't think he could do anything. If That
3: might I, boil down to how
5: well does he get along with, right.
3: with the front I office think they, where they're all I going. think they
5: want to make a change, and the record's going to let him do it. But it's crazy that an offense with Matt Barkley, Cameron Meredith, Deontay Thompson, Jordan Howard are better – is better. It's not a fluke. It's a better offense than a decent amount of offenses out there. I mean, it's better offense than Jacksonville certainly, including has. including Jay Cutler with Alshon Jeffrey, right. Kevin White, and Matt Forte or whatever. Right, but there, oh, there's yeah. a lot of offenses out there. You know,
3: the Jets, whatever. It's like, like they they look like an NFL offense. I think they've been at about seven. I think it's 75 yards per game better without Cutler, and the points certainly are up too. Do you know what this offense reminds me of with Matt Barkley? The 2014 Brian
4: Hoyer Browns where everything is either play action or shotgun if it works. I don't know about the staying power of that. Matt Barkley's ball placement has been very good. It's His hard to field sack vision too. has been good. He is hard to sack, and they protected him well. But it's a lot of play action, and it's a lot of shotgun, and I wonder what the staying power is on that.
2: Let's move on and talk about the Atlanta Falcons, 9-5, and five, uh, have really taken advantage of a soft part of their schedule. Now they travel to Charlotte to face the 6-8 and eight Panthers, who, as we just were talking about, they uh, beat up on the Redskins uh, on Monday night. And this game, Greg, uh, reminds me of their first matchup, week four, oh when gosh. the Falcons really announced themselves as a true powerhouse offense. Matt Ryan threw for 500 yards. <laughs> Julio Jones had 300 yards receiving. Uh, Julio Jones, speaking of which, are we going to see him in this game?
5: He will be back, and that 300-yard game is the biggest reason why. He's still leading the NFL in receiving. It's amazing. Despite missing the last two weeks, and that's wow. that's massive – because this is not an easy matchup uh, against the Panthers defense. And I think they're a better defense now than they were early. And James Bradbury, for all the slings and arrows that they took for letting go of Norman, and, and it was a strange move, he replaced them with a good player in Bradbury. They, he, Gettleman hit on his second round pick. He, Bradbury looks like he's going to, you know, certainly on a faster track than Norman was early in his career. That was
2: him. a real roll of the dice, too. Replacing an All-Pro corner with a well, the thing
5: is, it'd be nice to have them both. I think he could have kept Norman for one more season under the franchise tag and and try to win. Uh, But at least they got something there.
2: Well, you were talking about the MVP race, and Tom Brady needs a big game. Uh, Matt Ryan, you could make the case too. A a big game here, maybe closes out strong, and he really um, fortifies his case.
3: And the when these guys played in Week Four. This was one of the biggest romps there was all season. Matt Ryan threw for 500-plus yards, and they had a 300-yard receiver. That's the, did you just say that? Yeah, I said all that. I was staring <laughs> at my laptop, answering an email. Uh, if people want to hear it again, you just rewind and listen to what how Dan many, just said. How many
2: yards did the Bengals have in the second half? I
3: believe it was 38, 38 yards, yards. <laughs> they had in Week 15, in a, in a Week 15 game. So
2: this <laughs> offense is awesome.
4: A year ago at this time, we sat here and wondered, If Thomas Dimitrov was out the door. ooh, that's a good point. And since he brought Scott Pioli on board to help, look at their last two draft classes. 2015, they give Vic Beasley, the NFL sack leader, Tevin Coleman, part of the best backfield in the NFL, Grady Jarrett, who is their best defensive lineman, that's 2015. This year, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, both in uh, around the top ten rookies in the NFL. Mm. Austin Hooper at, at tight end, Devondre Campbell, who plays a lot of snaps. They've turned this franchise around, and the one of the reasons why they're nine and five and one of the best teams in the NFC is because of their last two draft classes.
2: Did Thomas Dimitrov crawl through 400 yards of f- smelling foulness? And I don't think
4: anybody ever wanted to put
5: Thomas Dimitrov out there because everybody likes Thomas Dimitrov. He he did lose power he he did uh you know he had to give up control of the roster I believe Dan Quinn who oddly has more control than just about any head coach in the league so they they kind of they wow, kind of really? changed the structure and so they did kind of put him in his place a little bit I don't think he
3: went all the way you know into the or anything well I mean him and Pioli though they've been tight for decades they started in Cleveland under Belichick yeah. together by the they way. are
4: best buds. By the they are. They, 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 they're,
3: they're fashion horses. You might fit in West with them, Wes, with yeah. your new sort of clothing ensemble. Three, three of you. West Dimitrov
4: West. with his vegan, uh, his veganism and his sort of like, I don't know, very spiritual namaste kind of attitude
3: is more well, like Maybe we could be kind of a Dimitrov, Pioli. Ooh, that's opposition. right. You kind of look like Pioli. <laughs>
2: I'll take that. Wes today is wearing a button-down. I would say it's kind of a little bit acid-washed gray. It
4: is
5: not acid-washed. And then washed. it's a little – It's got the tattered uh, It's stuff. a little tattered it's and frayed
2: tat- at the bottom. It's kind of like a Richie Sambora. No. It uh, Indiana
5: know, Jones. Indiana Jones Yeah. Look? yeah. It's working. Stop. <laughs> if it's you're...
2: like
4: a $14 shirt <laughs> in L.A., which means uh, it's like, I don't know,
5: $7 in middle America. It's a legit test for Break Atlanta. Break it down, though. Wes. Legit test for Atlanta, by the way. I wouldn't just count on this. Yeah. NFC South gets, the up to it. gets interest. I think they're up to it. I'd How pick, confident I'd, are you? I'd pick them to win. I'm pretty confident. Not I'm very. as confident I as you I could were. Are you no. that confident? You know what? Let's Uh-oh. do it. Oh.
3: You know what?
5: <laughs>
2: just because.
4: Let's lock it up.
2: <laughs> so aggro. Whenever Wes's voice hits that octave, it makes me think of some of your younger nights outside Huckapoo's when somebody got out of line. Well, it's like, get out here. We'll straighten this out in the lot. It's kind of like that guy.
4: I was, you know, I was good buddies with the owner. Sometimes you got to
3: play bouncer and protect his interests. How many bar fights have you been engaged in in your life? I haven't counted. I can't can't imagine. (laughs) Wait, let's do over under again. Emmy Lou Harris is better than (laughs) Lucinda
4: Williams. What are you talking about? (laughs) I love both of them. I would not have that (laughs) argument.
2: I'm going to set the over under, Mark and Greg, and then you could say what's correct. The over under (laughs) for. Do we want to say his entire life or Huckapoo's uh, specifically?
3: How about Huckapoo's till now? Because now gets you nothing anyways. I'm too old to be in a bar fight now. All right. So,
2: and his time at Huckapoo's, which was what, two or three years?
4: Eight
3: years. Eight years. years, Seven and a half years years on Tybee Island.
2: So, eight. All right. Seven and a half years. I'm going to put the bar fight count at. I'm going to set it at four and a half.
3: I don't know. I well, okay. Wait, I, is this over under or over, we, over so under? I, d- I oh. don't want to. Uh, I don't know. Get tag, you know, haggle with the definition of what a fight would be. But I think where it's like you're about to pun- throw punches if someone doesn't come in and break it up would be a fight. Here's to me. the
2: definition of the fight. It's moved to the parking lot, and at some point it gets physical.
3: It is over. Way under. Way under. Under four and a half, over eight years, and probably seventeen thousand alcoholic
5: the, drinks. Way way under. Yelling maybe, but physical way under. Over baby. Over under Wes. It's under four and a half. Yeah baby. Was
2: it four? It's three. Three.
5: Okay.
3: Oh.
2: The over under game.
3: You're a more peaceful person under the influence than I imagined. Well, not that <laughs> peaceful. <laughs> That's three what parking I. Parking lot I'm, I'm going it's off nice. the evidence that I have. Two of two of the three, I was
4: playing bouncer.
3: Okay. Just
2: removing
4: people who need to be removed.
2: Hey, Huckapoos, come back to us. Hire a bouncer. They, what do you have to do it for?
4: He's got plenty of friends who will do it for free. I mean,
2: he's there from 12 to 12. So. <laughs>
5: how Eric that's Thomas, the owner drinks. of
4: Huckaboos, one of the nicest men in the world. He has a lot of friends who will protect his interests for free. Mm-hmm.
2: Next time you're in Huckapoos and we call you, I'm going to ask to talk to Eric. And I feel like you deserve some type of compensa- compensation for these brawls you're involved in.
4: I feel like his answer would be if you had to put up with West for seven and a half years. That's compensation enough.
2: All right, let's move on and talk about the Indianapolis Colts uh, traveling to the Black Hole to face the Ooh. Oakland Raiders' saucy matchup Saturday, 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Uh, the Colts, hey, make sense of the Colts if you can. The last three weeks. Embarrassed the Jets in primetime. The week after that, embarrassed themselves against Brock Osweiler at home. The week after that, which is last week, decimated the Minnesota Vikings uh, on the road. And now they face the Raiders, who just beat uh, Minnesota or San Diego nineteen sixteen. Chris Wessling, how you feeling about this game? This one's interesting. Here's the sense that I've
4: been able to make of the Colts: when they can protect Andrew Luck, they are very hard to beat. And that's a problem against Khalil Mack. And a guy who was one of the best free agent signings, Bruce Bruce Irvin. Last week, two so sacks. play a dog. Forced fumble, forced the game-ending interception. Bruce Irvin's had a very good year. Even if his sack numbers might not show it, he's been a hit. And this Raiders defensive front should win that battle
3: against the Colts offensive line. It's one of the best road teams in the league, Indianapolis, which I would not have – Predicted second-highest scoring team on the road, I would imagine second to the Falcons, and they've won four straight on the road. So, Mm. you know, I I think Oakland is a tough place to go play, but do we view it as the same as going into Pittsburgh in December or Buffalo, even if Buffalo were a better team? I don't...
5: No, we want to see... We'd Uh like to see a... A dominant game out of their offense. You know they had a couple red zone turnovers. They did move the ball pretty well. Where's Amari Cooper against San Diego? I, yeah, that's where goes. are the receivers?
3: Look at this. Here, here's the thing. We're in lockstep. Thank I wrote you, it Mark. right there on my notes. I mean, he's he really you, for the guy you thought in year two would bad Pro Bowl nod them. for him. By the way, not
5: that we get too worried about. Pro Is there Bowl. any that, other type of Pro Bowl nod? What's well, that? That Devonte Freeman got one. I liked. I appreciated that. As of mid November, Amari Cooper would have been a great pick for the Pro Bowl. The the Raiders have taken pains and Derek Carr on our air talking with his brother has taken pains to
2: on your air really (laughs) NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal
5: no
1: it can't be that's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal
3: Just hordes of females showing their feelings for Greg. I have got to keep that ring
2: on at all times just to ward them off.
5: They, they've been trying, you know, Carr's been trying to say, okay, this whole shotgun thing, it's not an issue. You know, I did that all through college. Well, if it's not an issue, there's a reason why they weren't in shotgun 100% of the time before the injury. If they thought that was the best way to win, that's what they would have done before. It limits their, their play calling. I'm thinking of a, a, a time last week where they couldn't run on the goal line out of shotgun. It, to me, it's an issue. It doesn't mean it's it's not something that they can't overcome.
3: I mean, statistically, it's, it's a huge issue over the over the, the sample size is small. And one of those games was in absolutely frigid weather in Kansas City. But you're right. I mean, it limits what you can do. Teams wouldn't go shotgun 100% of the time, typically. I'd, I'd be
5: worried about this game if I was a Raiders fan. Andrew Luck against a team that's given up some big plays. Reggie Nelson, what a joke of a Pro Bowl nod. Nah, that was that, oh. was that was the number one one. I mean, he hasn't had a good year, and he, I, he got I like- the Pro Bowl.
4: Throw some fire,
5: Greg. And and Andrew Luck in his best game can be better than Derek Carr even in his best game. So you never know. It's a dangerous team.
4: Let's get a little more specific. What gives this Raiders secondary problems? Think back to who's catching the bomb early in last week's game. Travis Benjamin, one of the fastest receivers in the league. Earlier in the year, Brandon Cooks torched this secondary, one of the fastest receivers in the league. Tyreek Hill. Torch this secondary, one of the fastest receivers in the league.
3: Here comes sub 4-4, four, four, T.Y. Hilton, and Philip Dorsett. And you know oh. Philip Dorsett will give you one good play a game.
2: <laughs> um, all good points. You guys are all making great points. Uh, but Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And as good as those Colts look right now after their game last week, I ain't buying into it. And I like the uh, the Raiders at home, and I like their eleven and three, and I buy into their eleven and Wait a three. Second. And so you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, I'm gonna oh, yeah, lock it up <laughs> with arms <laughs> wide open.
3: All right. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> you well, took that. Lock it up. You took that to a place it definitely did not need to go. Merry Creedmas, everybody. My favorite Sylvester <laughs> Stallone movie. Over the top. Over the top. <laughs>
2: Get him, Dad! He stole my room. Oh, actually, that's Rocky Five. I'm confusing my horrible Stallone movies. Um, yes, the Raiders will take care of business, in my opinion. Forget about the Colts. The Colts. Nobody wants to see the Colts in the playoffs, right? You want to see? The I want. I would much
4: rather see the Colts than the Raiders, but I realize I'm weird. Colts need a uh, hmm.
2: need the Dolphins to lose this week. You don't even want probably. the Raiders in the playoffs now? If you're asking me, the Colts
4: or
3: the Raiders, I'm picking the Colts. Wow, it's free country, at least for now.
2: Let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, listen, they came close, uh, but they could not get over the hump against the Cowboys. It makes you wonder, you know, maybe that was their big shot to make this season a special one, and now they're going to come back to earth. That's one way to look at it, Mark Sessler. Or the other way to look at it is they're still a very talented young team, and now they go to face uh, New Orleans to face a middling Saints team, and they can get right back on the horse in a big spot. Your thoughts?
3: I only have one thought.
2: What, oh, is oh, your thought one that revolves uh, around? It is. Eey, oh, eey, oh, eey. I'm
3: locking it up for the Saints! <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Tampa Bay? The segment is what, gone. what language was that? Tampa Bay had a nice little ugly, hyper-ugly win at home against the Saints a couple weeks ago. I don't like the schedule makers doing this, like, two of the same games sandwiched around yeah. some other game. Weird matchup, weird scenario. Saints are going to take it. They're going to – suddenly Tampa Bay is going to be in real hot water. And you know what?
2: I uh, thought very long and hard about making this my lock of the week as well. So I You're going to go repeal. down
3: this road again. No, no repeal. Okay.
2: Okay. Not repealing. I'm sticking with my lock, but that was my runner-up choice. I feel very good about the Saints in this game. I think they're going to finish strong, and I do think Tampa took their best shot last week, and they're going to come down to earth a little bit.
5: Well, you know, that was on the road against the number 1 seed in the in, in the NFC. This is a different match, but I like the Saints to win this game if I, if I had to choose too. So, I'm Whoa. not I'm not really disagreeing. It's close though. You know, the Bucks are 6 and 2 with Doug Martin, and I I don't think that's a coincidence. And one of those losses of course was last week against Dallas. They have taken care of teams like the Saints since Martin's been back. They get a nice little matchup here with Cameron Bright against uh Roman Harper. I think losing Kenny Vaccaro who to me was playing like a pro bowler, has been has been big for the Saints. He's he's suspended
3: right now. He's kind of taking his punishment is now. It, sorry, is it Doug Martin, though? I mean, I the one thing that I pulled into this research thing that his, his yards per carry since he's come back in each game, 2.1, 2.6, 3.8, 2.7, 2.9, 2.6. To me, that's that's the line. He is someone
5: when I watch him. It's kind of like Kristen Michael early. I'm convinced he's playing well. That he's getting a lot of yards out. It's after not contact. last
3: year's Doug Martin though.
5: No, maybe not. But I think a lot of it is the line. I I think Jameis Winston and that has been victimized by it too. I think it's been a really bad offensive line. And I think it extends to the running game. So we're gonna act like week thirteen and fourteen never happened for the Saints offense.
4: Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, who, si- for the Saints offense. Who are they? Yeah, why is everyone brushing those two weeks aside like they never even happened? That's fair. I they, I would say I'm not totally because consistent. for
5: the most part this season the other fourteen weeks or or twelve weeks rather they've been good. You know they've been a pretty consistent offense other than those two weeks. They're still I
2: mean they're first in total offense. So on balance their yardage is there and everything's great. But Wes is right. They've had bumps in the road this year.
3: I think I think it's not that I would personally be completely overlooking that. It's just that the NFL every week has six games that are completely bizarre, and this will be one of them. I'm guaranteed. Need- even that bizarre though. They need- huh? No, the I'm just bizarre, saying that you no, the Saints well, are well, favorite so in the game. I, just, I mean, it's they're, they're, they're favored. Half of these games are coin flips. We should consider
4: the Buccaneers out of the playoffs because you've locked you've locked it up. They're, they're <laughs> done. I don't
5: even know why
3: Tampa Bay would board an airplane and go to New Orleans. <laughs> to be honest. He
5: uh, had a clean game out of Jameis. He had had a nice four or five pretty clean weeks, and that was not a good performance last week.
2: Wes, are you riding and dying with Tampa? I am, okay. you know, because I've been
4: on them all year. Just, okay. k- just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's move on. The Arizona Cardinals, 5-8-1, and one, playing out the string. Uh... They gave up almost a 50-burger in their own building.
4: You don't ever want the host to announce your team as playing
2: out the string. Hey, that's just the way it is right now. That's reality, baby. Now they head to Seattle to face the 9-4-1 Seahawks, who are really, uh, you know, working hard. They want that second um, buy. They want the they want the second seed in the NFC. they got to to win out to work their way there. And uh, there's no way, Greg Rosenthal, they're going to slip up against the Cardinals, right? Bad year for
5: the Arizona Cardinals. Can't buy into them. I, I don't think there's no way. I To me, the Seahawks are not an unbeatable team, and the Cardinals in any given week are dangerous enough uh, to win. I kind of want to see what the Seahawks defense does against David Johnson. I mean, I, I think they're going to have to win games. Even their record's ugly, 9-4-1. and one. It's kind of a record of a team. Are they dominant? Are they not? I don't know. The tie messes everything up. That's and, a Patriot fan and you're talking. 9-4-1 is a great record. It's a great record, but it's kind of it's weird. I, I think the defense the, – Russell Wilson's been so erratic lately, kind of not pulling the trigger. It, that's a little bit of a concern, something to watch in this game. I feel like I've been on Cardinals' retirement beat all week.
4: <laughs> Carson have. Palmer's coming
5: back. Larry
4: Fitzgerald is only concentrating on the next two games and refused to speculate. Bruce Arians is like, I ain't going nowhere. I'm coming back, baby. He's back. David John- baby talk. David Johnson is going – I don't know if you guys sold Not retiring. He is, he is aiming to become the third player ever with 1,000 and 1,000 in the same season. He wants that. He's got 800 receiving yards right now. Roger Craig and Marshall Falk are the only two other
2: ones. I was about to win Wes's toaster you and see if you knew the other two names, but there they are. I watched
4: both of them play. Mm. Absolutely. I watched Roger Craig tear my Bengals apart in the
3: 1980s. Roger Craig was the centerpiece of the first fantasy Team I ever owned back in, wow. I believe, 1989. I had to do the stats of my own, 1988. How old are you? I was a sports fan at a very young age. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Roger
2: Craig, very underrated historically. True or false, Wes?
4: Absolutely true. 100%. Because he played in the West Coast offense before anyone else played in the West Coast offense, people did not respect running backs receiving yards like they did running backs rushing yards. And one how- of the, Well, sorry,
3: one of the early backs, when you're young and you start to get plugged into NFL films, and they all these guys they slow the speed down. Roger Craig pumping his legs and jumping, he, just fun to watch. He had a
4: distinctive style. I haven't, have you seen anyone run like him since? Where his knees go so high in the air. Mark Sessler, Isaiah
2: Crowell.
3: No, I'm not. Sessler <laughs> ran did. like that. Yeah. Uh, I, one, I played
2: running
4: back.
3: In day, Pop corner, by the I way. I don't
2: know. Let me know if we're out of, uh, out of school talking about this, Mark. One day we were at a bar. This is a couple of years ago now. You're I out of school.
3: I don't like where it's going, <laughs> but there appeared continue. there appeared
2: to be a break in across the street from oh, yeah. the bar. I could share this story. Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. We're it sitting makes around like a hero. We're sitting. Well, <laughs>
3: well, it is what it was.
2: We're sitting around a fire pit uh, on an outdoor patio of this uh, bar restaurant. Uh, Mark and I and several others. I think my wife was involved. And um, all of a sudden, we we look and we could see on the the storefront across uh, the boulevard is uh, some activity in the business across the street, and it looks like. A robbery, is in-
3: Well, it was. It, it seemed to be an art, an antique slash art dealership. Yes. And three very shady characters went in through a side door. Yes.
2: An SU, a black SUV pulls right. up. Three men dressed in, in dark clothing go in through the side door, and then you start seeing flashlights inside. Like, uh oh, this doesn't look good. And we're watching it, and we're like, oh, should we call the police? What are we going to do? And then, like, all of a sudden, it was like, where's Mark? Mark. Again, this is now. We've been at the <laughs> this bar restaurant for a couple hours at this point, sitting around and Conservatively. Uh, p- perhaps sipping on some beverages. We look, there's Mark sprinting across. I mean, this is a <laughs> boulevard about 200, 300 feet across, sprinting across towards the scene of the potential crime as the guys are spilling out and taking off in their SUV. We've never known what you were doing, but I do remind, you do remember, when I think about it, I think of Roger Craig, the way you were pumping wow. your arms <laughs> and legs toward the scene of the crime with no weapon on your person.
3: I shifted into Crime Stopper mode and uh you know i wasn't quick enough if i rem- if i remember i had words with one of them as he was getting into the vehicle and closing the door and i think he's Gave me the finger and said, "You're out of here." I mean, what, it,
2: what
5: were the words?
3: Yeah, <laughs> <need> <laughs> what are you doing? Stop! Don't what, do you belong to this business? I don't know what. Oh, foul that demon. I'm, yeah,
5: <laughs> this is a fun addition to the story from the last time it was on the podcast or whatever. There Come might on. be a little <laughs> indulgence involved. That's okay.
3: Someone, I, don't, I don't. Someone don't checked the tape. Well, three years ago. Here it is. When a crime happens, do you run toward it or you, do you run away? That's all. Wow. I said. toward.
2: Yeah, you, you are not <laughs> <don't> running toward <laughs> any crime. <Greg.
5: laughs> I love it. <laughs> love
2: crying. The conversation you had with one of the assailants—that's a new piece of this. I'm not saying it, it wasn't. It, an, I
3: wouldn't say it's a conversation. It was like I was attempting to shout them down, and they were ignoring me.
2: I, it was, if one, I recall, I have like a top, handsome Hank was there too. Yes, I have like a top ten list of times where I thought that my friend Mark was going to get killed, and that is probably in the top three. <laughs> let's I'd say so. Uh, let's move. Oh, Wes, what do you think about all this buzz? A little bit of buzz on Twitter. Hey, how come David Johnson's not in the MVP conversation? Uh, Now you just want to get me riled up. Go ahead.
4: There's this meme going around with Ezekiel Elliott's stats versus David Johnson as if that's the way you compare MVP candidates. You don't watch any film whatsoever. You just throw up stats, and that's how it works. David Johnson's had a great year. He could be, for Greg's uh, little offensive player of the year. Little. well, that he's Greg making, hates oh, that word. Okay, award. I got you, got you. The award should be about, But that's what David – look, here's the simple answer. If your team's not winning games, you can't be that valuable.
2: You're not going to get the Andre Dawson Hawk MVP award.
4: He,
5: there's a reason why – look. I don't think it's that crazy because I, I, I think watching film, if anything, supports David Johnson because to me he's more impressive. If you call it the most great player, fine. But how that's valuable a, are you if your team wins that's four about, or five That's games? about what I consider it. Because to me, no player can over it's, – it's the ultimate team sport. Quarterback, obviously, you have a bigger say. But then no running – I mean, no running – I'm so not, you I'm not a, interested in following a sport
4: that gives its most valuable award to a guy who doesn't even make this, the playoffs or doesn't even – has a team that doesn't do well. This is What's the, the case. What's the purpose of that? We've, yeah.
2: been, we've been talking about this for years on this podcast. This is the case for the Offensive Player of the Year award. David Johnson deserves to be rewarded for this amazing season. It's not his fault his team is dog-ass. Also, that's right.
5: what the All-Pro team – That's wore. what. Yeah, that's what the MVP sure. award is.
2: Too. Everybody likes to have a trophy. Look at Kurt Warner when he does his hits for NFL The Network. MVP
4: is more like who <laughs> – It's more like if you told the story of the 2016 season, who can you not tell it without? I mean, David Johnson's had a great year, but he's not going to be the MVP. Sorry.
2: Okay, let's move Go get on. get another
4: meme, you sheep.
2: <laughs> could use a meme, though, Wes. I like it. Uh, the 1-13 San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and you talking about playing out the string against the Los Angeles Rams. Wes, give me one, one thing, one nugget, one question, one comment about this game, and we'll move on.
4: All right. The, for, the 49ers, I believe, have lost 12 fumbles this year, and the NFL average is three lost fumbles. In this day and age, is it really safer to run the ball than pass the ball? Nobody throws interceptions anymore, and all the 49ers do when you watch them is run the ball. So maybe they have a high risk offense than teams that pass the ball a ton. I think when you're in it, you're in an era where nobody turns the ball over through the air anymore because it's the slant slot. It's the slant slash bubble screen league now. I like that.
2: I I will say, as a, a Jets fan, I could tell you people are throwing interceptions in the. <laughs> <United States.
4: laughs> a
2: fair retort. I mean, good teams aren't <laughs> throwing interceptions. All
5: right, that's fair. But we, they're out there. We need the 49ers to win this game so that when uh Cody Kessler comes off the bench and gets the Browns off the the and they There you go. and they build a statue to him engraved with a speech that Cody Kessler made at halftime Tim Tebow style. Your that they still have the one pick, that they have the number 1 pick. <laughs> outside of your bizarre uh Cody Kessler fetish, your quarterback index was great this week. Hmm. <laughs> That. I don't
4: understand why you love Cody Kessler. I don't.
5: So All I said he's a good guy to have is around. That he need he he's a good backup
3: basically. I'm fine with him as a as a backup type. I think that's. I read what you wrote. Like, it. I, it was I just fair.
5: said they just need to add some people. I, could he have a Kirk Cousins type career? Yeah, I think so. Why Can not? You save this for the Cody yeah. Kessler podcast. Yeah. That's this offseason. Coming
2: season. up this offseason
4: <laughs>
5: on NFL.com. All
2: right.
4: Sorry, Rams. Uh, You're C- not worth
2: talking about anymore. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals, 5-8-1. and one. They had their Super Bowl last week uh, against the Steelers and couldn't get the job done. And now they're at Houston. And, yes, starting at quarterback, number something, Tom Savage. Tom Savage is real. Okay. So here we go. Mark Sessler is Houston now. And the AFC South is saucy right now, not in terms of great teams, but uh, you have the Colts and you have uh, the Titans and now the Texans with a different quarterback. Are they going to take care of business, get to 9-6, and, and put the heat on the rest of the division?
3: I think everyone in this room feels like there was no team we were less interested in that actually had a good record than the Texans. And, any you know, anytime you have a quarterback switch and when the first – sample size of it is positive and when your star receiver DeAndre Hopkins is suddenly targeted 42% of the time in the game and you watch the passing game open up yes i think they have a chance to win they're a much better team at home obviously the bengal's the bengal's have played better though watching their games the last couple of weeks you know we'd be talking about them differently if they had played a second half the way they did the first against pittsburgh this is not an easy you know game at all for the texans I do think they are going to pull this off, though.
2: Sydney, breaking news! Got some breaking news. Wes, we have a new number one defense in the league. It's the Houston Texans, the <laughs> number one ranked on. defense. <laughs> totally yardage. Oh, that's, that's preposterous! They're totally
3: yardage. Why don't they stop? A, they should stop marking it that
4: way.
5: They're
2: like the thirty-first team to be the number one te- defense this season.
5: I what mean, a sham that status. Tom, Tom Savage, we got all we get all excited about him. You know, it's kind of this this storyline we've been sure. But he put together an incredible 35 minutes of of play. That was the best the Texans offense has looked by far all season. Tom
1: Savage is
5: real. I would say incredible in terms of the skills he showed off. A big arm, decisive, going through his reads. It was only one game, but it was a highly impressive game. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't move well, but he's very
4: calm in the pocket compared to Brock Osweiler, too.
5: Looks like – I don't – did he get compared to Flacco coming out? He probably did, which is why it's in my head. But it kind of – he reminds me of Joe Flacco. I mean, he can be on one hash mark, and he can throw the deep out to the other hash mark, and it gets there in about half a second. Gil Brandt
3: compared him to Troy Aikman.
2: Yeah, Gil Brandt was high on Savage coming into the draft. Gil Brandt
3: created him in a lab.
2: Right. And he (laughs) – Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, he had some of the worst uh, college statistics of any player uh, taken in the draft, but he always had the tools. That's why he got drafted, and he he showed some of them. I mean, he made – there was one particular pass in the fourth quarter that very easily could have been a game sealing interception. I didn't think he was perfect. No, he, he had
5: a couple of throws b- that could have been picked off, but he. He it had wasn't more, against a bad defense. It was a nice performance. He had five or six throws that Brock Osweiler didn't make on. Well,
4: he not only has a much stronger arm than Osweiler, he also has more touch on his passes than Osweiler when the situation calls for it. I'm, he's. I think he's. It
5: shocks me that he hadn't played earlier in, in this season. We might. I mean, if I'm ranking, if I had to get a jersey. Oh, I mean, Malcolm Butler would probably be number one, but I don't know. That's Savage number three. That might Pretty be good. nice. Savage is a good Jersey name. That's a good <laughs> one. I do. I should. I'm
2: going to bring it up now. I, it's been flying around Twitter uh, for several weeks now. And since we were the first people on the Tom Savage's beat, and now we're <laughs> operating under the assumption that Tom Savage is indeed. Tom Savage is real. Well, you are. I'm I've,
5: Greg's still
2: I'm <laughs> still questioning. Well, I'll throw it t- toward your potential case. A lot of people are saying that Tom Savage bears more than a passing resemblance to actor Nick Cage. Oh, no, no not the beast <laughs> Not the ah! and, Nick Cage. and Nick Cage will literally do anything for a paycheck, including, I would assume, being involved in a wild, uh, diabolical conspiracy that has him being a, uh, a, a underutilized backup quarterback in the NFL.
4: I saw Nick Cage in Moonlight, or uh, what, what's the one with Cher? Moonstruck. Moonstruck.
5: He doesn't have the he doesn't have the arm. Oh come on! I mean, Nick Cage, <laughs> one that, of that. That's your. That's your evidence. Bob Savage is a great Detective arm. Nick Cage Mark. isn't coming in and Nick, throwing like that. Nick Cage is one of the great shapeshifters. Yes. Of his generation, not to mention uh, a guy who comes up with diabolical plans and completes them.
3: Just watch his movies. That's true. Well, then Nick, Nick Cage is. I'll stand down. Nick Cage is Houston's ninth starting quarterback <laughs> since 2013, which is tied with the Browns. Here's a question Will Nick Cage, slash, you know, Tom Savage, his is, is alias, be the week weekend starter next year?
4: Well, if you look at what it would cost, I believe it would be like a twenty-five million dollar cap hit to get rid of Oswald In addition to the fact that you, are not well, you could just of.
3: have the most expensive backup. In all pro trade for,
4: Well, oh, I think that I can't believe it. <laughs> it prohibits you from going out and getting a veteran, certainly. Yeah. It, it makes sense to have Savage as his competition, well, or not even his competition.
2: Oswald is the backup. You also got to factor in if Nick, he shoots a lot of movies overseas now. What is his shooting schedule? That gets in the, gets in the and way. The next I mean, fall? so, though, no,
3: Tom Savage is in the hospital with an elbow infection. Actually, you know, Nick Cage had a quick Ooh, assignment behind the camera in front of camera. I like, the like camera. this.
2: There you go. And, and to your question about the arm strength, Wes, three letters CGI. Oh, no, not the beach. Not the ah! So
4: I didn't actually see what I thought I saw in NRG Stadium or whatever it is? No, you
5: did. It just wasn't who you thought it was necessarily. Oh, I'm confused. A little bit of special effects is all I'm saying. By the time this game Talks happens, solid. this is the Saturday night version, uh, Saturday night game, Christmas Eve night the Texans <laughs> could clinch the division. In, in ca- just in case the Jaguars win early over Tennessee, Houston would be playing to win the AFC South before we even get to a it. A
3: game that ensures that no male or female working for the NFL will see their children the night before Christmas. Do you want to
4: say anything about the Bengals?
3: Fontez I- Burfecht
4: might not play. He's concussed. Mm-hmm. I have one guy I think other teams should be watching. If you need a pass catching back, go get Rex Burkhead. He's a
3: good mm. player. They love him. I think they just extended him before last season. I thought he was a free agent. I got to look that up. I thought I thought I wrote some insane off-season <laughs> post that snuck into somehow above the bar that we had a extension. That's like extension. They harboresque.
2: You guys work this out and uh, I'm going to move <laughs> on to Christmas Day uh games. We have two of them.
3: He he is a free agent. He is right. I maybe I'm thinking of you 2 years ago. It's all a blur. Maybe you're thinking Terrible of a Danny Woodhead or
4: something.
2: The 8 and 6. Baltimore Ravens at the 9 and 5 Pittsburgh Steelers. This is what I'm talking about. 4:30 p.m. Eastern on uh NFL Network. Greg, you called this the greatest NFL Network game of all time in terms of exclusive and you know what? I think it's going to be a dogfight. I'm in it.
5: I I love it. It's it's the two team. It's two teams that really don't like each other. It's the longest like rivalry that still holds up in the NFL, and it means so much. I mean, the the Steelers win the division with the win. The Ravens take control of the division. They're, they can knock the Ravens. Out, I mean that. How good would that feel for the Pitt, Pittsburgh Steelers? feels so good, right before?
3: Yeah, I mean, right essentially they're not making
5: the wild card if they lose lose this game. And it's the and I and I don't feel too good if I'm a Ravens fan. These are the bizarro Ravens right now. Mm. Suddenly they are running the ball. That's nice. But two straight teams with good offenses have run on them. Uh, well, not with good offenses necessarily, but the, the Eagles and the Patriots both ran on them the last couple of weeks. That's not a good sign when you're about to play Lev Bell, superhuman. I was already. Excited for this matchup, which, you know,
4: Greg's right. NFL Network has an exclusive on the best. <laughs> Congrats, Greg. I mean, this is just – what a what a matchup this is. You
2: guys deserve this.
4: And then Connor Orr got me even more excited with his article, Steve Smith Ravens Steelers Professional Hatred, mm. when he outlines all the veterans. How many times are you going to get to see Terrell Suggs playing at a high level again in his 14th season? Steve Smith, Elvis Dumerville, James Harrison, guys that are nearing the end of the line. Ben Roethlisberger, probably not nearing the end of the line but have been around forever. Eric Weddle. These are
5: some of the best players of the last 10 to 15 years. It's amazing because with the second Flacco entered the league, these games were huge because both teams were big. Every year they were big games. So Flacco and and Roethlisberger have played each other so many times. Listening to Flacco this week, you can tell it's almost like he needs – it's, he's so flatline. he almost needs something like this to feel something in life, and he's feeling it this week. Like, he is fired up.
3: If, if you look, uh, Connor, and I, Connor Orr and oh. I combined on a preview for both of these Christmas games, and you've got to read this number one for only one reason. Connor Orr provides insane food and drink recommendations oh, yeah. for both games. I mean, they are from the mind of an insane person, and I love it. <laughs> I thought they were, they were great. They're excellent. But I will tell you uh, that you go – I went and looked at what Ozzie Newsom has done draft-wise over the last four seasons, and if you go to Pro Football Reference, you can quickly decide how, how well a team's drafted because if their name isn't bold, those players are still in the league. Every single one of the players, 90, high 90 percentile of the players the Ravens have drafted over the last four seasons, all active in the NFL, most of them on the Ravens still, Most, many of them on a defense that is a great mix of youth and older mm-hmm. players. And a guy like Terrell Suggs, Doomerville last week against the Eagles, great game. I thought that they were playing like guys five years younger than come age. back. age. Yep.
2: It's the key to everything, Mark, you and I know all too well. You have to have somebody upstairs that knows what they're doing, especially in those mid rounds where that's where you get your depth from. That's how you, you sustain success and you're not
5: flashing the pan. Uh, and the Ravens have done
2: it better than anybody.
5: And and this Steelers team has struggled against the Ravens. The Ravens have basically owned them six out of seven times. I mean, that is one-sided for, for a rivalry where the Steelers have been a good team. The, the Ravens embarrassed the Steelers offense the last time they played in Pittsburgh for three and a half quarters, and yet this is a different Steelers team. It's a team who kind of knows who they are. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is this, are... A big, this is the biggest spot possible. And they, they got a defense that's playing much better. They know who they are. It's They're you. not even letting Jarvis Jones and, and Moats on the field. It's all are Harrison. It? It's all Bud Dupree. Do it? I'm going to lock it up. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. In a
4: big spot. Yes. I like that you. Want. You tweeted out that you think Ryan Shazier might
5: have a Defensive Player of the Year in his future if everything breaks right. His his peak, like if you just took him from the last five weeks, I don't think anyone's playing any better on defense than him. I mean, his peak play is as good or better than anyone's peak play. Here's how dominant the Steelers have
4: been during this winning streak: they have allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL and recorded the most sacks by their defense in the NFL.
2: There you go. Steelers in a good place right now. Let's see if they could finish strong. Moving on to the S- Sunday night, Christmas night game between Christmas night. Got a Christmas night game. Here.
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they've spread these games across every possible day yes. that exists. I'll be covering this game, I th- you know. Really,
2: I haven't seen a, a Christmas night game.
3: I'm going to have like a bottle Any. of whiskey sent to you. You should not be doing that. Well, I don't, I don't appreciate. David Ely is a fair
4: boss. He's a smart sure he, boss. Is, yeah. he He picked the guys who did not have wives and kids to cover the Christmas day games, which I feel like is fair.
2: Is is it is the boss situation better or worse than where it was? Let's say just a <laughs> pin in the wall uh, last year. This time,
4: oh, I nobody's better than Greg. Oh. Greg's my best boss ever.
5: Thanks, Wes. Sorry, Ely. Eat it.
3: I mean, Ely has really improved throughout the season. Ely has, Ely, Ely Ely has absolutely done Ely an Ely excellent job improved. as a boss. Good. He's done an excellent yes. job. He has. I, an I actually, have no complaints
4: job. about Dave Ely. He's been great. <laughs> so fact, he
2: started at one point, and he's really, since that well, point, gotten to a much different look, point. we're all learning together. We're all getting better. Maybe she got Ely on the phones at some point. Maybe after the season, just to check in on the dynamic.
4: Ely I think has that's been fair. great.
2: Okay, Yeah. Broncos, Chiefs, Christmas Night Football at Arrowhead, and what an important game it is, uh, really, for both teams, but especially, I would say, the Denver Broncos, who you never want to be the team that wins the Super Bowl and then you can't even get back to the playoffs the next year. And that's what's going to happen to the Broncos here, uh, Chris Wessling, if they can't find a way to go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs.
4: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. This is where I am on the Broncos, that – James Palmer yesterday had a really nice interview with uh, up-to-the-minute live's Andrew Siciliano, where he – this little nugget that nobody really paid attention to throughout the day. Mm. The Broncos' defense, despite all the outburst and shouting and frustration with the offense, Trevor Simeon's off the hook. They have have actually increased their confidence and respect in Trevor Simeon for doing fairly well and playing in a tough manner behind a struggling offensive line with no running game, and the coaches in Denver believe – that he's going to be their quarterback not Paxton Lynch for the next couple of years. I wow. thought that was
3: major news. I think watching him his play has been incredibly encouraging and they don't they open up the playbook for him to do anything. They've had to lean on him. They don't have a they don't have a running game. I don't like their chances this season long term because of that last part where you can't run the ball and you're the Denver Broncos under Gary Kubiak, but Simeon's not it- been the issue... Here's
2: the problem, on. though. And it's the same thing. We're seeing it again. Simeon has really been a nice surprise for them and has been steady, but he can't... He's not there. He can't carry this team. And maybe he never will, and maybe, maybe he'll be this guy, and that's a fine if they're going to have a great defense. But not... The defense has to be better. The special teams has to be better. The running game's got to be better. The blocking's got to be better. The running game it's really just, has to be you know,
3: better. The running game is, is, I think, their Achilles heel. It's a they're, mismatch of a team right now. Right. I mean, I also their defense, which you have to – it's the kind of team where you need to count. It's sort of like the Chiefs. You need the defense to generate big turnovers and maybe score you a touchdown or set you up deep in territory. And they have zero takeaways in four of their last six games. Wow. When they're on, though – Denver's defense can turn games. Well,
5: right. They're still impossible to really throw the sure. ball on. They, it, I think they are the toughest team to throw on. I mean, that's a pretty nice, yes. a nice skill to have, and it's going to give you a chance to win any week. But they have lost four straight now against winning opponents. So they're two and four over the last six games, and those two wins are against bad teams. So like, th- what are the odds that they can go into Kansas City and win and then beat Oakland next week? That's what's going to take for them
3: to Kansas play City with nine straight wins in the AFC West. That is just wow. remarkable. That's you, that's right up there as the toughest division in football, and it's another case for Andy Reid. Despite the team's potential flaws, I'm not in love with the Chiefs going further than a playoff game or two. But Andy Reid has done a great job.
2: You know what I think, guys? I already locked it up, so I'm not going to lock this up. But I think that I think the Broncos are going to show the heart of a champion on Christmas I do too. Night, and I think they're going to get to nine and six in a. Big spot. Mm -hmm.
4: Justin Houston has yet to practice this week, swelling in his surgically repaired knee. And that guy against the Broncos last time had the most dominant quarter I've seen by any player all
2: season. Let's pick this game. You heard my uh, choice. I think, Wes, you just went with the Broncos as well. What else? Who else?
3: I continually pick against the Chiefs, and it continually bites me in the ass, so I'm going to go with Kansas City. I've already blocked approximately
4: 98% of Chiefs fans on Twitter, so I have <laughs> no qualms about saying, just for the heck of it, against
5: logic. I think I agree with you. I think the Broncos are going to show something here. Chiefs fans should love us. All four of us in our preseason preview picked the Chiefs to win the AFC West. Yeah, pipe down. And the only way that's going to be right is if they win this game, so. I picked them
3: the to way go way. to the AFC championship and lose, something I've not clung to once during the actual season. So <laughs> Really? So I you remember just, against them
2: all year, but you picked them at the beginning of the year to go to the AFC title. Listen, the and best thing happens. to
3: do is you kind of predict everything, yeah. and then you only claim the things <laughs> that were correct or that seem accurate. <laughs>
2: Finally, Monday night football, the Detroit Lions travel to Big D to face the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, just as this very podcast foretold, the Lions. Be careful. Because now you've lost two straight games and now you got to go to Dallas and you're going to potentially put yourself in a situation, Mark Sessler, where you go into week 17 on a three-game losing streak unless you find, out a, find a way to beat the Cowboys on the road. What are their chances?
3: I don't like their chances. I, I think last week's game with the Cowboys was, for me, a great confirmation that it's time to stop. Whispering and chatting and setting up your entire pregame show around whether Tony Romo will play again. <laughs> Dak Prescott delivered. I think it's he. This it's just remarkable to picture the fact that this is a first-year NFL quarterback doing what he's doing against the Bucks, a team that we really love their defense. In facing the blitz, he was seven for seven last week, mm. and this is not this is not the same pass rush this week. I think that the Cowboys are going to. Drop a bomb on Detroit. In in
5: fairness to Detroit, you know we're we're killing them, saying they might fall apart. They've only lost, they won five in a row, and then they lost uh, a very tough game. They only lost once coming into this. Oh, sorry, once coming into this game, and and they lost a tough game to a good defense. I don't like this matchup for either defense. I kind of think this is a a good matchup for for Stafford. They've struggled against some physical defense that can man them up, and and the the Cowboys kind of sit back. They're a zone team. The Bears did that against the Lions. They kind of made them do those 12, 13-play drives, and the Lions took it. And I can see both of these offenses going back and forth with 12-play touchdown drives, and the score's not that high, but it's kind of dominated by offense, and that it comes down to the very end. And you, you got to give Stafford a chance in that.
4: All the people putting the Giants defense with the 2,000 Ravens come back to us. <laughs> it's not like they shut down the Lions last week. Golden Tate got caught from behind by Dominic Rogers cromartie on what would have been a long touchdown. Oh, yes. And Zach Zenner fumbled into the end zone on the next play. That was a big
5: moment, yeah. Golden
4: Tate also had like two or three nearly spectacular downfield sideline catches where he was like one toenail out of bounds. The Lions moved the ball in the Giants without Theo Riddick. It's not like the Giants shut them down.
2: Right. That I, I, I felt, I felt a little straw manny though, to, to – Bring up the two thousand Ravens. Are Everybody's acting really like the Giants
4: that. have the best defense in the NFL. Let's calm down on that. They're a very good defense and getting better. I think the
5: I think this Lions defense has been better too. It's gotta be tough it's tough to disrupt uh it's tough to disrupt Dak Prescott when he's just getting rid of the ball so so decisively like he did last week. They don't have a great pass rush. They might be without Darius Slay. It sounds like they will, which is a big-time loss. They have to play more zone coverage there. But they were playing better. I, I don't see this as some sort of cakewalk. Well, let's go back to tabulation corner here. Uh-oh.
4: Is it true that if the Giants lose to the Eagles on Thursday night football, this game means nothing to the Cowboys?
3: That's true. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they've, well, they've That's won That's a huge division. factor in this game. Well, I'm not saying the
4: Cowboys will all of a sudden take their foot off the gas pedal, but human nature being what it is. That's the only team that
3: can steal the division and the number one seed away from from Dallas, so you're right.
5: I mean, technically, there's a scenario the Lions could actually clinch. They need about three different uh, things to happen. The Lions could clinch a playoff spot before they even play. Obviously, it'll still be a big game for them because they're trying to win the division either way. I don't know. Oops. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh,
2: anybody see Detroit pulling off the upset? I don't I, I, do not. I guess we I need to know where Dallas is at that point but
3: I, I don't I am picking I, Dallas. I don't. I am picking Dallas even if even if they've salted everything away at that point. I I don't see this as a team that's going to skate mm. over the last two two games. I, I think agree. I think if you're one that
5: like, you know, if you're one that pays attention to what the final score is and the implications that can have though. I think the Lions keep it close. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean mm. one who would do that? Do you mean a Sam, gambler? Like Al Michaels? This is like, by the way, Terrell Austin going to be interviewing for some head coaching jobs. You want to you wanna get some attention? How about Monday Night Football? Your defense, little underman, has a nice performance against the Cowboys in a win. That'll get you a coaching well, job. Or you give
3: up, you know, you give up, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is 200 and what, 58 yards away from breaking Eric Dickerson's record. You could also have you everything could, go completely south and Terrell Austin's phone stops ringing. Nice name, though, Terrell, Terrell Austin. I mean, that mm. sounds like a coach
5: to me. Terrell Austin.
2: (laughs) We'll see. We can only uh, wait to see how that plays out. Um, All right. Let's let's go home. Well, not home, but let's end the podcast. A hearty thank you, to borrow a phrase from Chris Wessling, to Josh Raymer and uh, Alexis Frederick Frost. They sent uh, the whole group, including our satellite uh, friends, Connor and Kevin Patra, uh, around the NFL podcast T-shirts
4: can find pictures of them on my Instagram or Twitter.
2: Yeah, check it out. Great, amazing artwork and That's very awesome. you nuanced. Got- so thank you to Josh Raymer. And uh, Alexis, great work! Really great detail on it. A lot of fun. We love our listeners.
4: If you recall, Alexis Frederick Frost is the super talented illustrator who also made gnomes out of all of us a few months mm. ago.
2: Yes, it's, and you can check my Twitter avatar to see uh, my gnome. The, just great work. Very talented. And the book that he sent uh, to the group, the books that he sent to the group, his own artwork, illustrations. Oh my! Kids I read love it that to my most. son. Yeah, and, oh wow, yeah. things are so good. He's oh, got a oh. great.
3: He's got a great Instagram account, by the way. It's okay. Yeah. It is fantastic. <laughs> no, it's filled with in incredible, sure you know, artwork. He's a he's no, people should check it out. O- o- Ogre's awake,
5: guys. I believe, is the name of That's the, book the name he of the sent book. to us. My kids, My kids loved it. My kids loved
4: it. One last thing. Josh Raymer, who ordered these shorts, shirts for us, if you check out his Twitter account, he has the link on how ha- if you want to buy any of these T shirts oh. that he's created, wow. Josh Raymer.
2: All right. What is it where what's our cut in the licensing?
4: I, that's a good question. Okay, I don't hey, think we're allowed to have it. So anything.
2: let's talk to the the business side of this. That's Sydney. It course. is our like New money. Um, all right. That's it. The next time you hear from us, it will be Christmas Eve uh, where we break down all of the Saturday games. Thank you for listening. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and new money behind the glass. Till Saturday.